Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast, Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rout. Dan, we're just a few days away from Christmas, man. You got all your shopping done? Man, I just was uh, actually out getting some uh, done right now as we speak. That's why we had to start a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I've accomplished what I need to accomplish. Good man, I got a little bit left myself, but for the most part, I'm almost done. Well, look, and hopefully the Raiders can provide a nice Christmas present for Raider Nation as they travel to Kansas City to face the Chiefs on uh, Christmas morning out here on the West Coast, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific noon there in Kansas City. It's the 130th meeting all time between these two original AFL franchises. The second meeting of the season with the Chiefs winning the first matchup uh, 31-17. The Raiders jumped out to 14 nothing lead, but it didn't last long before falling, falling to the Chiefs. Stand the 11th time in the last 12 games Kansas City has beaten the Raiders. I mean, it's pretty much been one-sided since Patrick Mahomes took over at quarterback yeah. for the Chiefs. So let me ask you this, man. I know on paper it's a rivalry, but on the field, is it really a rivalry with Kansas City been so dominant as of late? It's about as much of a rivalry right now as the Giants and Cowboys. Um, it goes back, obviously, a long time, long-standing rivalry, things like that, uh, for how many years they've been playing. But, you know, I just got to be honest, like, and most players would agree with this, a rivalry really is a rivalry only when it goes back and forth. Sometimes you win, sometimes I win. But uh, for the amount of times the Chiefs have won as of late, and I do, I think, the Raiders won at Arrowhead, what was it, about two years ago? Yeah, the but, COVID, I think it was 2020 or 2021. They went 40 to 32. Exactly. Um, but over the last, what, 15 games or ever since Pat Mahomes has been the starter, what, he's blank 11, and won right. <laughs> against the Raiders. Uh, so that's not much of a rivalry. Uh, hopefully uh, that'll change this uh, this Monday on Christmas Day. But as of right now, you can't call it one because it's not back and forth. Stan, you played seven seasons with the Raiders. How many times did you beat the Chiefs? I believe that would have been 14 matchups. So how many times did you – do you remember how many times you beat the Chiefs when you were – Well, the I mean, for one, in, in 2010, we swept the division in Oh, that's right. So, that's uh, right. So, yeah, so we beat them in 2010 both times. We beat them in 2011 once. Uh, 2008, I know we beat them. Um, and 2006, we lost to them both times. 2007, I believe we beat them while we were at home. And I forget what the score was or what it was when we were there. But yeah, we, we beat the Chiefs, or back then we beat the Chiefs a, a, a fair number of times. You know, Stan, if all things being equal, I kind of feel like it within the division, if everything is equal, I still feel like Kansas City is the Raiders' biggest rival, more so than the Chargers. And the Broncos, I know when Schottenheimer was there in Kansas City, it was mm-hmm. Raider Week. Even with the Chargers, he called it Raider Week. And yes. I, am I wrong? Do you feel that way as well as a former player and now uh, looking at it as, as an analyst? I would probably say that's the most, that's the longest standing, uh, the Chiefs and the Raiders. But I'll tell you this. I remember uh, when I first got to, uh, to Oakland, uh, Willie Brown, God rest his soul, because when he first got, uh, came out of Grambling, I think he started off with the Broncos and they he cut did. him or something yeah. like that. And uh, and I remember anytime we played the Broncos, he was so up for those games mm. because he had that 
he had that personal vendetta against them. Sure. So it, it's almost kind of like when uh, you look, you look at the Cowboys, like the Cowboys and Eagles, big rivalry. So was Cowboys and Giants. Right. Like, so was Cowboys and the Commanders slash Redskins. Right. My father was a Redskins fan, and he is so growing up in my household. You were bred to dislike the Cowboys because he was such a Redskins slash Commanders fan. So. Yeah, the Chiefs is a big rivalry, but the Broncos and Chargers are not too far back. I'll go ahead and just put it like that. All right, sounds good. Let's get the promo read uh, in here before we move ahead and preview this game. And BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your info, stats, news, and scores. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, basketball, MLB, NHL, UFC, and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, in the first matchup, the Chiefs offense gave the Raiders fits by running a lot of crossing patterns with their receivers. Now, it's a little bit different from when you played. I know it was a lot of man-to-man with the Raiders uh, back in your day, but this team plays a lot of zone defense. So, Stan, what can the Raiders do better on the back end to prevent a repeat performance by Patrick Mahomes and company? Well, one thing I remember back in 2007 and a lot of 2008, whenever we played the Broncos at the time, they ran a lot of condensed formations where everybody is pretty much inside the numbers and very, very close to the hash. And so anytime we saw that formation, which was a, a the, the number one indicator for crossing routes, we would go just cover two. And mm. the linebackers would beat up the receivers uh, crossing the middle, uh, make sure that you go ahead and knock them off there, off, off, knock them on the ground, uh, corners, reroute the receivers, things like that. Make things difficult. Try to fog up those windows. Make sure that you throw off the timing, things like that. That was one thing that we did. So because I don't think the Raiders can – uh, man-to-man stay with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs receivers, even though nowadays they may not even catch the ball. Um, you got to do things like that. You look at how Tampa Bay, how they smacked the Kansas City Chiefs way back in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They basically stayed in cover two the entire game. They took away the second, third level throws. They made Pat Mahomes throw the check down. And then whenever they caught the ball, they made sure to punish him. You look at the New England Patriots versus the Kurt Warner-led St. Louis Rams back in 2001 season in the Super Bowl. That's how they beat the Rams, the greatest show on turf, things like that. So uh, you're going to have to go ahead and change up your looks. I think cover two can be very effective if you execute it and you run it the right way. So uh, so when you ask that question about the crossing routes, that would be my number one counterpunch to stopping that. So, Stan, when you're playing a cover two, it's one, to prevent the big play. Two, if you're going to allow completions, allow them underneath and then tackle immediately. Is that correct for the most part? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the thing is is that what you want to do is you want to have all eight eyes on the quarterback. So you're rushing four, you're dropping eight, three linebackers, four DBs. I'm sorry, seven, dropping seven guys. And you have all eyes on the quarterback. And what it does is it forces the quarterback, and we know Pat Mahomes can do it, it forces him to be very, very accurate, very surgical, very precise with his throws because it makes the windows tighter and everybody's eyes are now on the quarterback. And then whenever the ball is thrown, 
break on the ball, be able to go ahead and make sure that you make open field tackles. Uh, that's something that can be very effective. But like I said, you have to be able to execute because if you don't, you're just simply out there pissing in the wind. <laughs> uh, Stan, earlier today <laughs> at practice, we were taping on Thursday, uh, Raiders corner Jack Jones says, it doesn't really matter who the receivers are for Kansas City. It's about stopping the magician, and the magician yeah. is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Absolutely. so is, look, if you have great coverage, that means there's nowhere for him to go to. Is that basically what Jones is saying? Uh, I mean that, that, but also just, you got to be able to confuse him. I think for in this league, if a quarterback knows what you're in before the ball is snapped, he's going to be able to pick you apart just because of the way the offensive game is, is now slanted the rules, everything you want to be able to confuse the quarterback. You want to be able to go ahead and now be physical with the receivers, but also you want to pressure the quarterback. So he's got to be able to process all of this information in nanoseconds before Max Crosby and somebody else can be able to collapse the pocket. That's how you play winning football on the defensive side. You look at the Buffalo Bills versus the Dallas Cowboys last week. You look at how the Baltimore Ravens play or the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they play a lot of cover three, but it's the same ideology. All eyes on the quarterback. Let the guys up front go ahead and pressure, collapse the pocket, and now that quarterback only has a few seconds to make that decision, and then you have to be able to tackle well in space. Okay, do me a favor. I know what cover two is. I'm not familiar with cover three. Can you explain <laughs> that one? Okay, well, anyway, so in the game of football, if you ever hear cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, that dictates how many guys you see deep in the back end. So if it's cover one, you have one single field right. safety, usually playing out in the middle, out mm -hmm. in the middle, so sort of like a center fielder in football. I'm, I'm sorry, in baseball, and that's usually man coverage. If it's cover two, you have two deep safeties. Obviously, one has one half, the other has another half. The corners are in the flats rerouting and then making sure that they take some steam off of those receivers so it's not too much stress on your two deep safeties. Cover three. You have one single high safety. He's usually in the middle of the field, the middle third. And then you have both corners that have deep third. They have everything from the goal line. I'm sorry, the, uh, the line of scrimmage all the way to the end zone. That's their third. So they want to make sure to not give up the deep ball, not give up the deep pass or anything like that. Keep everything in front of them. And then you have your underneath droppers that are going to be getting in the curl, throwing lane, getting out in the flats, things like that. So anytime you hear a number cover blank, that tells you how many DBs are going to be deep on the defense uh, in, in the defensive secondary. All right, Stan, from an offensive perspective now, the Raiders, they've got to remain aggressive. I mean, we saw how aggressive they were on Thursday's win over the L.A. Chargers, and you and I have discussed this. They seem to be more aggressive at home than on the road for whatever reason. I mean, you even saw them running trick plays near the goal line for yeah. a touchdown against the Chargers. Now, Stan, look, field goals, as we know, are not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got to score touchdowns, and this Chiefs defense has allowed the third most passing yards in the league. Stan, O'Connell cannot be afraid to take chances against this Chiefs secondary, right? No, he's going to have to go ahead and push the ball down the field and try to force the issue. But, you know, uh, the Chiefs, they've actually, throughout the, the, the totality of the year, their defense has actually played a lot better than a lot of people uh, expected coming in. So he's still going to have to make sure that he takes care of the ball, doesn't have careless turnovers or anything like that. But, yeah, you're right. You're definitely going to have to go ahead and be aggressive against this team if you want to try to beat them on Christmas Day. All right, let's take a look at some numbers and let's play the over-under game, Stan. We haven't done that 
for a while. And the first time around, Aiden O'Connell did throw for 248 yards against the Chiefs. I know it was a little bit uh, controlled environment playing inside there at home. Uh, 51 in rain I saw for the forecast. So not too cold, but the rain uh, could wreak some havoc. So stand 248 over under for Aiden O'Connell. Oh, man, I hope it's going to be over. Uh, a part of me feels like it's going to be under, but I'm going to go ahead and be optimistic. Christmas Day, so let's go ahead and uh, be jolly and uh, optimistic. Let's say over. I think uh, I think he's going to go under simply for the fact Josh Jacobs uh, will be back, uh, sounds like. So I think the Raiders, once again, will be trying to establish him. So I think hopefully O'Connell will uh, you know, not have to throw for as many yards. So let's see what happens, but I'm going to go under on that one. His counterpart, Patrick Mahomes. 298 yards in the first meeting against the Raiders. Dan, over, under. Uh, I think Pat's going to be under. Uh, Like you were saying, you know, uh, the weather, things like that. I think he's going to be under. Um, The Chiefs, they they do not look the same. Obviously, you're seeing the issues with people lining up all sides, the drop passes, things like that. Pat Mahomes yelling at the refs. Uh, Andy Reid. Uh, lamenting the refs during the press conference and things like that. So I would go with under. I've never seen that side of Patrick Mahomes like that. That was just unbelievable frustration, Stan. And I don't know if that's yeah. boiling over from the entire season with their offense not playing as well, the drop passes. Uh, very uncharacteristic to see Mahomes like that. All right, Devontae Adams, five receptions in the first game. Over, under, Stan. I'm going to say over. I feel like it's going to be over. I feel like he's going to have a good day. Christmas Day, everybody will be watching. I think Aiden O'Connell is going to make sure to try to get him the ball, so I'd say over. Yeah, he had four catches, I think, in the first quarter or the first half in that first meeting, and then the Kansas City made some adjustments and shut him down for the rest of the game. But I'm going to agree with you. I think he's going to go over. He had a big game there a year ago uh, when the Raiders played. I believe it was Monday night. Uh, he had a huge one. Travis Kelsey, always a thorn in the Raiders' side. I know for everybody else, but it seems like he saves his best. For the silver and blacks, man. <laughs> it sure feels like it, man. Six receptions for Kelsey over under. I'm going to say under just because Travis Kelsey has not looked the same this year. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's the uh, uh, the uh, the Taylor Swift effect. I'm not going to say all that. But you can just see that Travis Kelsey is not having the type of year he's accustomed to having. So that's why I'm going to go ahead and go with under. Dan, do you think that's because the defense is, can focus more on him? Because their wideouts simply aren't the same. There's no Tyreek Hill. Uh, they're just not playing the way they used to be. So you can focus more on Kelsey to try to double team him to maybe knock him off his routes uh, and prevent him from having the big games like he's used to. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with that, where there's no Tariq Hill. So you can simply just focus on him. And the more and more that the receivers drop passes, the more and more that they line up offside, that's the less faith that Pat Mahomes is going to have in them. So whenever he's dropping back the pass, he's looking for Kelsey because that's the only one he trusts. So I definitely feel like that plays a part in his lower production so far this year. All right, we're taping this on Thursday afternoon. There's no word on Colton Miller and Andre James uh, if they're going to be back for this one. Uh, James missed the last game against the Chargers. Miller has sat three of the last four because of a a bump shoulder. Uh, On the other side for the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, the running back who has missed the last couple games, he is expected to start. For Kansas City, quick happy birthday shout out to Hunter Renfro. Uh, all right, Stan, let's go big picture now. NFL, what do you got as the MVP? Ah, uh, you know, honestly, if I if I was really just if I just had to choose, I'd probably go with Tariq Hill. Wow. Um, just because who else 
do you feel is a runaway favorite? There really isn't one. No, that's where that, and that's why I struggle because you could say Brock Purdy. I like Brock Purdy. You could say Lamar Jackson. You could say Dak Prescott. You could say uh, Tariq Hill. But you see how the Miami Dolphins played on Sunday against the Jets without him. So everybody that's an MVP candidate has a yeah, but along by their name. Everybody does. So it's really just going to come down to just who the voters choose. Um, Tariq Hill, just because it seems like the year he's having, at least, you know, before he got hurt and missed some games, where it seemed like he was on pace for the 2,000 yards uh, receiving, which would be the first time in history. So that's why I choose him, because everybody else has an asterisk by their name. Christian McCaffrey, he's another one. Um, I really think this year there's not a clear-cut favorite, and I would say this year I don't think that there's going to be a morbidly wrong answer because it's simply going to come down to opinion, and it's going to be completely subjective. Yeah, with three games to go in the regular season. Stan, these are just the three players that I wrote down, numbers I didn't even think about Tyke. Tyreek Hill, simply for the fact he's, like you said, he missed the last game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, who you just meant to mention, 1,800 total yards from scrimmage, 20 yeah. total touchdowns. Brock Purdy, who you talked about, 70% completion percentage and 29 touchdown passes. Lamar Jackson, 67% completion percentage, 24 total touchdowns. That's rushing and passing. Stan, I think, I know it, look, we know it's a quarterback award, right? We do, but I, yes. think, I do think Christian McCaffrey deserves it as of right now. I'm just saying right now for what he absolutely to that offense and the 1800 yards and the 20 total touchdowns I, I think i would give him the nod right now obviously things can change with three games to go and we'll see especially that monday night game prime time with uh yeah, with, the, with the 49ers and the ravens i mean you know it could be purdy it could be mccaffrey could be lamar jackson sealing the deal if one <clears> of them has a big games you know stan i know you're i heard this and i couldn't believe this and i know you're a huge san francisco 49ers fan growing up yep the strike year of 1987, there were 15 games played, but the regular players only played in 12. Jerry Rice had 22 touchdown receptions in just 12 games and yep. wasn't the MVP. I'm like, <laughs> who could have had a better year? I, I, I didn't look it up, and I should have, but I just can't believe that. A receiver, 22 receiving touchdowns in just 12 games and wasn't the MVP. That is just mind-boggling. It's me. a, I mean, you know, it, it's a quarterback award. Everybody thinks that, okay, whoever the best quarterback is on the best team should win the award. And I just think that's so lazy to, uh, to have that type of, to have that type of, uh, that type of vernacular, or should I say that type of mindset, because it's the most valuable player award. I'm, I'm assuming that's what it means, right? You got it. So whenever I think of the actual letter of the definition, I think of who is the player in the league that if you take them off of that team, you take them off of that side of the ball, which team is going to have the most precipitous decline? Mm -hmm. That's how I view most valuable player. And that's why I say with Tariq Hill, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy's another one, Dak Prescott. But you look at how Dak plays against the better teams or on the road, that's his not. Brock Purdy. You saw that three-game stretch where he looked very pedestrian. Mm -hmm. That's his knock. Lamar Jackson hasn't had a great statistical year, passing yards, touchdowns, things like that. That's his knock. So everybody has a knock on their resume. That's why I just simply think it's just going to come down to opinion. And I believe that if it's a year where 
you have a quarterback that's not exactly knocking it out of the park because the 49ers are the least passing team in the league. They got the least amount of passing attempts. Now, obviously, Purdy leads the league in passing touchdowns, but you got to ask yourself, why is it that the 49ers have the least amount of pass attempts? Shanahan's calling the plays. Christian McCaffrey's your MVP. <laughs> that's what I'm exactly. <laughs> so, so that's why I think that uh, uh, you can go ahead and give it to a quarterback just to go and keep it all uniform, whatever. But <laughs> I just think that if you're really actually going by the literal definition, most valuable player, then that's probably going to lead you to another position this year. All right, Stan, let's wrap it up with this. We got to do a prediction for Christmas Day Raiders Chiefs. What are you thinking? Ah, man, it's Christmas Day. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and go with let's go with Raiders 24 Chiefs 20. Wow, Stan. Calling yeah. for the Christmas Day upset and making yeah. Raider Nation. Oh my gosh. That would be the greatest Christmas present for Raider Nation, Stan. That would be unbelievable. Look, I think it's going to be a close game, and I do I do want to pick the Raiders so bad. I don't want to go against them. But I think the Chiefs are just playing for more at this point. I mean, they got the, the slim lead for, in the division over the Denver Broncos, and they're fighting for playoff position. So I do think it's a close game. I think Kansas City is going to squeak it out, though. I think the Chiefs 24-21, and I'm sorry, Raider Nation, to say that, but it's got to go with what I think. So, hey, and I've been wrong plenty of times this season, so I hope I'm wrong again, but. My first inclination is uh, Kansas City uh, in a nail-biter, in a squeaker. So we'll see how it all plays out. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast. Dan, Merry Christmas before I conclude this, my friend. Thanks for everything. Yes, sir. Uh, same to you, man. Happy holidays. Uh, love doing this with you, Dennis. And I can't wait to do, uh, continue doing more. So uh, it's definitely been a blessing. Uh, man, I, I, I love this. And uh, like I said, much love to you and yours. Happy holidays. Everybody out there, Raider Nation, Merry Christmas to you. You too. All right, Raider Nation, we'll try it again. That's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. And may all your punts under that Christmas tree find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.